0: You're listening to the Fantrax Radio Network. Fantasy sports lives here. Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by the Fantrax Podcast Network. I am Pat Donovan, joined as always by Joe Saunders. What's up? What's up? And guess what, guys? There's no Nick Licatino this week. Yay! <laughs> Yes, and there's much rejoicing. All right, we got a good show for you lined up tonight. We're going to kick it off with the news and notes, and unfortunately, there's a lot of bad news out there. Mm-hmm. First of all, Clayton Kershaw came back, through with diminished velocity, is back on the DL with back problems, and it's going to miss about a month. So, Joe, does what you do with Kershaw depend on where you sit in the standings? Who are some potential replacements? And who would you trade him for if you were desperate? Okay, so um,
1: I'm going to jump right into some trades um, because, you know, that's my thing. Um, mm-hmm. As far as replacements, I think replacements are tough. I mean, Kershaw, you spent a lot on him, so um, he's tough. He's a tough guy to replace. But let's let's look at some trades. So um, the first one is Kershaw and Cody Bellinger for Jake Arrieta and Anthony Rizzo.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be a no for me.
1: Okay. Would you do would you trade Kershaw for Pollock and Corbin? Ooh.
0: I think I would do that.
1: Okay. That's one I definitely would do. And I actually actually would consider Arietta and Rizzo. I'm I mean I'm uh I'm low on Kershaw. Um I got one more. Kershaw Let me I, ask
0: you this quickly. So, yeah, sure. Would you do it for Corbin straight.
1: Uh, sorry, sorry for the silence. I'm All thinking. the silence. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, it's close. I can but tell you that if not. I
0: was desperate, I would do it.
1: Yeah, that's fair, actually. Yeah, if I was in the top of the standings, I wouldn't. If yeah, I was agreed. Actually, if I was at the bottom of the standings, too... I might not either.
0: Hmm. Can you explain?
1: Yeah, Yeah. sure. So the thought is, is that if Kershaw does come back, right? And he's like vintage Kershaw, then he can carry you. Whereas like, I think Corbin, Corbin might not be able to, to do just quite that. Although it, this changes in a roto, right? In a roto format, then I think you have to make that trade, right? You need the, you need the innings.
0: See, to me, if if I'm at the back end, that's exactly where I do this deal. And, and I think that goes to my first question, which was, you know, does where you are in the standings affect what you want to do in this situation? I think it absolutely does. Uh, I think if you can afford to wait, you can hold for just the reason you said. You've bought yourself some time um, to be able to absorb some of the time Kershaw is going to miss. But if you're already if you already dug yourself a hole in the standings, whether it's Roto or head to head, you need to consider moving on because you need the production. Your your, your team isn't good enough as constructed as is, even with Kershaw. Um, You know, you got to I think you have to trade him for a quality asset and, um, you know, hope that other aspects of your team bounce back or. You know, in the off chance that your pitching is okay, even without Kershaw, you trade him and then you upgrade your offense and maybe that's where uh, you make your gains. But, you know, I mean, with, with respect to free agent replacements in 12-team leagues, it's not, you know, Kershaw is not out there, but there are some is, quality arms.
1: Is Pavetta still, like, unowned?
0: No, Pavetta is oh, not finally. under 50. It's not under 50%, which is where, which is where the line is for me. Finally. Skaggs is 50%. Vince Velasquez is 41. Caleb Smith is 41. Trevor Cahill is 36. And if you want to dig a little deeper, there's still quality names. Kyle Gibson, 23%. Ooh, nice. Jordan Lyles, 16%. Nate Valdi 14%. Good boy. And Carlos Rodan is 12%. And he's just about back.
1: I'd probably go in that order, too, of all those guys you mentioned.
0: I think I'd have Rodon higher. Probably mm. just behind Gibson. Okay. I know he's going to break because he always breaks, but I like guys that break. What can I say?
1: Yeah, I mean, Willie <laughs> throws strikes, too. That's a question. Yeah.
0: So, what do you think the line is, though? So, like, we mentioned Corbin. What about Blake Snell?
1: Uh, yeah, he's in, like, the same classes as Corbin, so um, I'd consider doing
0: it Kyle Hendricks I know you don't like Kyle Hendricks um
1: okay yeah I don't but he's he's another one he like really falls into your strategy that if you need the innings he's like a perfect guy to scoop up I think you'd probably want to bat with with Hendricks though
0: yeah I think you need a little more with Hendricks because he doesn't quite offer the strikeout upside the other two do yeah okay let's move it to Brandon Belt to the deal with an appendectomy, no time frame set, and this injury or, or sickness has varied in the past from over a month to a few days. If you are the belt owner, who are you looking to fill the gap? And given his history, does this concern you more than another player's fluke injury or issue?
1: So, as far as concerning me, it doesn't concern me at all. Um, Pat, I don't know if you have your appendix, but I do, so this can literally happen to me tomorrow. Um, so I'm not worried so it could happen to you. And I feel like
0: I would be out about two months (laughs) if it did happen to me.
1: Well, you're you're probably older than Brandon Belt, which is crazy. (laughs) But yeah. Um, And as far as pickups, uh, two names come to mind. Matt Davidson, who's just coming off the DL, I think yesterday or the day before, and Yonder Alonzo. But there aren't exactly um, excellent pickings at first base. Um, So those are two of the better names that are available.
0: Yeah, those two guys are on my list. Uh, Alonzo at 42%. Davidson at 36 uh, Justin Bohr is right at 50%. So there's a chance he's out there in 12-teamers. A guy we both like, like Max Muncie, at 16%. Yeah. And for super deep leaguers, Daniel Polka is hitting the cover off the ball for the White Sox, mm-hmm. and he's 4%. So even in your deepest of formats you should be able to find someone to fill in for belt that can provide you with some pop while he's absent and i do echo your your thoughts joe the only concern i do have with belt is he was so dialed in yeah and we've mentioned before that he's the type of guy that gets really dialed in and then loses it so i am a little concerned that he's going to get back and take some time to get going again
1: yeah, but, there's also there's also a possibility that he's sore too right like it is your like side
0: mm-hmm. so
1: when you swing you could be a little sore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it came on kind of suddenly, which makes me think he's going to be out probably towards the longer end. I mean, they almost immediately put him on the 10-day DL. So Well, I don't wait. I think this uh, is going to be 10 days. I think it's going to be more like 3 weeks.
1: Does does appendicitis like not come on fast though? That's a legitimate question. I don't well, know. Well, you
0: can. I think that there are certain warning signs. Okay. And then I think there's an emergency appendectomy, which I believe is what he had. Ah, uh, okay, 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 okay. Which I believe means that they didn't, you know, schedule the surgery or anything. Yeah. Like it gotcha. just kind of went bad. All right. Mookie Betts. After attempting to avoid the DL, the Red Sox played it safe and put Mookie on the DL. The injury is described as an oblique. There's talk that he could come back on Friday. Are you concerned at how this might affect him?
1: Uh, Short answer, no. Um, I had him super high, right behind Harper and Trout. um, And despite the nature of the injury, he is like, this is like the year for bets. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just shrugs us off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was my original thought. And then... I mean, it's an oblique and that is a very difficult injury for a hitter to deal with. I worry that they're being a little too aggressive with him and that it could turn into something worse. I I can't chalk this up as nothing. It's just, I've seen it too many times where hitters suffer an oblique injury and they're just not the same, even when they try and play through it, um, you know, I mean, so much of your body is involved in the swing, so much of your torso. Um, if if that's in any way hampered, it can affect him. Um, you know, I don't know that there's much you can do as far as that goes, because you don't want to trade him because if he is fine, he's one of the best players in baseball. And at the same time, um, you know, y- you you almost are forced to hold, but if he comes out and he starts to struggle and you can still trade him based upon full season production, I might consider doing that. Um, but obviously that's a little ways down the road. Uh, JD Martinez is also dealing with an injury. He's got back issues, but he played tonight and he hit a home run. Um, so there's no real problem there. I think Joe, do you have any concerns there or as the uh, home run that he hit, uh, quelled any fears
1: I mean we're all fools JD's the best like wh- <laughs> why was he why was he ranked i I think you or maybe it was Nick it might have been Nick like was very okay with taking him inside even late first round
0: yes maybe? that was Nick yeah we'll give him that one
1: yeah k- kudos to Nick um yeah I'm not worried
0: okay all right Josh Donaldson his calf is acting up again. Uh, he's been placed on the DL. Who are some replacements? Uh, and so similar you, oh, to Kershaw, sorry. is this a player that you need to adjust your strategy based on where you are in the standings?
1: Yeah, so Donaldson still has some name juice. Um, so I, I pulled up some trades. Some of them are... are I got Donaldson, Donaldson and Giancarlo Stanton for Dozier, Swarber, and Bregman. That's a pretty good package coming back. Um yeah and then uh there's another one donaldson it's a really and,
0: good package coming it back. is
1: there's another one donaldson and Hanniger for lester and daniel murphy um i know murphy's like still wishy-washy um but it's just sort of the name juice that you, that you can still get with donaldson so i think um if you are in the bottom of the standings he's a really good player to float out there because people are still buying
0: yeah yeah, and and I can tell you even personally that, you know, uh, if I was at the top of the standings and I needed some juice, that would be a guy that I would be trying to acquire at this time because I, I still think that he's a very quality hitter, and I expect that he's going to come back, um, and and hit well before the season is out. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that there's going to be a market for him. Um, but if you're if you want to hold. Uh, 12-teamers, Miguel Andahar, 49%, hit a grand slam tonight. Todd Frazier, fresh off the DL, 43%. Jymere Candelario, 39%. Joe mentioned Matt Davidson, who has third-base eligibility in some formats. Um, Deeper, Daniel Descalzo, 12%. Nico Goodrum, 10%. Colin Moran still floating there at 5%. An all reliable Danny Valencia at 2%. Oh,
1: man. So, wait, I, I just want to segue real quick. Um, you mentioned sure, um, Moran. Uh, you think he gets in a huge playing time crunch with uh, Gong coming back? No, maybe?
0: I don't think so because I think Gong still got a ways to go. Um, I know that he's hitting well in A-ball but that's a wall. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, he hasn't seen this quality of pitching in some time. And I think the pirates are going to view him as, you know, sort of a house money, um, acquisition. Moran is the lefty. Gong is the righty. So I think Moran will still see the lion's share of the playing time at third base, even when Gong comes back. Um, you know, they, they moved to acquire him. I don't know what Gong's contract status is because I don't know what him being in the position he was in did to his contract. I would imagine it told. So I think he might have another year after this, but I mean, he could be a trade. He could be a trade chip for them. He could be, um, you know, just a useful right handed bench bat. I, I still think that Moran has been good enough that they would still give him the lion's share of the playing time.
1: Yeah, his contract is up. Um, this year with a club option next year, so they'll probably skip on that. Oh, it's actually pretty cheap though, five and a half million.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Alex Reyes. The lat strain that Reyes suffered in his first start back has him out for an indeterminate amount of time, but the injury has been described as significant. And last year, Noah Syndergaard lost most of his season to a similar injury. So, what are you doing, at Reyes? In redraft, are you holding until the roster, your roster, makes him makes you cut? Beat.
1: Yeah. So with Reyes, right? You kind of, you kind of were banking that he'd be hurt for the majority of the season anyway. So I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really cost you a significant. Like roster spot because he he was already sunk cost, um, so I'd be okay with holding on to him again. Obviously, you know if you're at the bottom of the barrel and you need to make up ground and you're in a roster crunch, then sure. But I'd probably really, really aggressively try and trade him first before cutting him.
0: Yeah, I think if you have the DL slot, there's no reason not to hold him until the roster forces you to make a move. In redraft, I would not be partial to Reyes if I needed the DL slot in the immediate future. Um, You know, if my injuries are piling up and, you know, I needed to cut bait on somebody, I don't expect him to be back until, I mean, off the top of my head, I would say late August is probably where I am in the most optimistic case. Um, With Dynasty or, you know, a, a keeper league where you keep a ton of players, you're obviously going to be holding him. He's a premier pitching prospect, but even there, I think you've got to be a little concerned now uh, yeah. with the injuries piling up with him. I mean, he has an inability to stay healthy at this point, or at least that's the label he's going to receive. And I imagine the Cardinals are going to take a close look at it and whether they need to put him in a different role to keep him healthy. Um, you know, I, I think that this was a player that they were really excited to have this year. They were cut. They came out, they said they were going to be aggressive you know, with his innings and everything, and and now he's gone. So I don't know that, you know, I, I, if, if it was me, if I was the Cardinals, he would still be a starter because, you know, I think you have to see what you have there with this kind of electric talent. But Major League teams don't always do what you expect them to do, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least some murmurings that, you know, he's going to come back and at least head to the bullpen um, at the end of this year, as opposed to back into the starting rotation.
1: Let me ask you an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Knowing what you all know,
0: about, all about unfair questions.
1: Knowing what you know today, right now, about Alex Reyes, um, the next time he gets an extended look at starting a starting role, right? Like we're talking like another sixty or so innings. What percentage chance do you think he has under three point eight walks per nine?
0: Percentage chance that he's under 3.8 walks per night. Um, give me 37%.
1: Okay. that's. I think that's actually pretty good, too. Considering that yeah. he, he's coming back from elbow injuries and now lat. I mean, he didn't have a lot of control in the first place. And now he's got a ton of injuries packed on. So, and he's only pitched sixty, what, like sixty innings of major league, major league ball. So, there's a, there's like a, I'm with you there. Like in in dynasty leagues too. Like, I I mean, you don't want to sell for cents on the dollar. I mean, he's still so young, but you got to take offers. I mean, if someone wows you,
0: yeah, I think that this is like again, like we talked about with Kershaw and Donaldson. It's sort of a team specific thing. If you're in a position where your window is now and next year, you know, you might want to consider shopping Reyes for a more immediate asset. Um, and if you are a team that's in the bottom of the standings, you might want to try and acquire Reyes because that, that's the type of asset that you can afford to have some patience with. Um, And it shouldn't be as expensive as it was a few weeks ago because now whoever owns him was counting on him again and has gotten bit again by that. So, you know, I I think that that's one of those team specific things, but those are two cases that you should be on the lookout for, um, you know, in terms of where he is on your dynasty, you know, in your dynasty league. Okay, Chris Archer to the DL with the left abdominal strain. He saw a specialist, um, but they've come out and they said they only expect him to miss one to two starts. That sounds a little aggressive to me. Um, Archer was showing signs of a turnaround. Uh, So where do you stand with him? I mean, so much of his value is derived from his volume. Do you have any concerns on him going forward? Do you trust the Rays? And do you think this opens the door for Yanni Chirinos?
1: Well, so I think Chirinos is going to get uh, a look no matter what. I mean, they're like they're playing this pretty much game by game right now. Who the hell's starting for the Rays? Um, so I think Chirinos – I, love
0: it. I think it's great. I,
1: I know it is. But I do think Chirinos is going to get a, a look because um, the other arms that they have are Andrew Moore and Jose Mujica. And they aren't really knocking on the door, so Trinos is definitely going to be the guy. As far as Archer's concerned, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm concerned. Are you concerned?
0: Yeah, I, I think you have to be concerned. I mean, this is and this sounds like an injury that again they're they're sort of rushing him back from it, and I don't quite understand why, unless they're just thinking we we have to trade this guy and we need him to get back and show that he's healthy, but it just seems to me that even then you would give him a little more time. I mean, you're not this, you're not that close to the trade deadline right now where you can't give him three weeks, let him come back and get in three or four starts before you have to deal him. Um, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I mean, if you plan on keeping him this year's a lost year anyway. So what does it matter? Um, yeah, with Torinos, I think Torinos is interesting. He's got you know, a, he's got pretty good velocity on his fastball. He's he's pumping ninety four. Uh, he's got a breaker with good movement at eighty seven. Yep. And the split finger is a plus pitch. So you could definitely do worse than that package. And I agree with you, even if he's not the guy. And I believe there are reports today that Matt Andriese is gonna is gonna take Archer's innings. Um, you know, if it's just going to be a starter two. Um but Trinos is going to find his way here just by attrition because there'll be another injury God, because there was always like another no one injury. else. Yeah. Um, so he, I think he's a guy to keep your eye on. Drew Pomerantz hit the DL with left bicep tendinitis. Oh, Brandon no. Workman got the initial call, <laughs> but do you think this spot goes to Jalen Beats? And who do it- you prefer straight up? Chirinos or Beeks?
1: Did Beeks get called up
0: yet? No, Workman got the call. Okay. With Pomeranz going on to the DL.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean Workman's whatever, and Pomeranz is like, I mean he probably shouldn't even be starting anymore. Um. I, I so oh, come I mean, on. <laughs> that's your boy. Poor Drew. Yeah, no respect. I mean Beaks has looked really good. Um, as for who do I prefer? Uh it's close. Um I I think like I think Torinos. I think Torinos, but Beeks Beeks has the good secondary offerings, which is really which is really nice. Whereas Torinos has the, the solid fastball, the better fastball and, and split finger, like you said, with a like the best pitch out of the out of the, both of them being his slider. So um, I like Torino's a little bit more. Um, Beeks has really gotten the walks under control this year. Um, so it's interesting to see if he attacks Major League hitters the same way he's attacked um, minor leaguers this year. But I'm going to go with Chirinos. Who, who you got out of the two of them?
0: Yeah, I take Beeks over Torino's at this point. I, I think it's more likely that Beeks is going to get um, an extended look in the rotation in the short term. Um, I know Steven Wright pitched tonight and pitched well, but I'm expecting that Beeks gets the call before long, um, you know, if not tomorrow. Uh, he's been dominant since he implemented a cutter into his arsenal. Uh, he doesn't generate a ton of swings and swinging strikes, despite a lofty K rate, which sits at plus 12 per nine. Oh, Pat, I'm going to interrupt you. Sorry. Go right ahead.
1: But 13 minutes ago, Beaks is scheduled to start on
0: Thursday. In For Boston? Correct. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. All right, so he's getting the call. So that's yep. official. All right, so he's got the lofty K rate, 12 plus K per nine, with good control, with a walk rate around two per nine. Um, I suspect there might be something with his delivery that where hitters are having trouble picking him up because he doesn't carry a lofty swinging strike rate. He's more of a call strikes guy. Um, so he, he looks like a guy that might go on a 50, 60 inning run um, before settling down something similar to what we saw from Joey Lucchese before he got hurt. Um, but I still think that he's got a decent shot to be a worthwhile asset, much like Lucchese, even when, you know, the league starts to catch on to him. Um, you know, of course he's AL East, which is, tougher. Um, Fenway is a more difficult place to pitch than uh, Petco. So with those caveats, um, I I think I would add Beeks in most formats just to get a look at him because I think there's at least a decent shot that he's pretty good for a stretch. And then you also have the alternative where maybe he's pretty good overall. And there's something that we're not picking up on yet because we haven't gotten the extended look at him that we will get at the major league level.
1: Uh, just to be fair to Torino's, real quick. The only reason he got knocked out of the rotation is because he really got hurt. Um, yeah, so, but it was a
0: forearm. So
1: yeah, yeah, no, totally fair. But, um, like if he's healthy, I think he's going to be in the rotation. Cause again, I don't think they have much
0: else. Okay. A couple of other pitcher injuries. We just want to touch on Julio Toronto to the DL with the thumb contusion. No word on who takes his spot, but I think it opens the door for Mike Soroka's return yeah. uh, without affecting anyone else. And even then, when Tehran comes back, Anibal Sanchez can move to the pen very easily. And Jordan Montgomery, for those holding tight in redraft formats, he's ticketed for Tommy John. You can move on. Um, and this probably puts the Yankees in play for a starting pitcher as if they weren't already in play for one. But um, now they're, they're definitely going to, be in the market, come the trade deadline, if not sooner. All right, so we're going to take our trip around the diamond, beginning with John Ryan Murphy. After generating some sleeper buzz when he was traded for Aaron Hicks, Murphy fell off the map in Minnesota, but has created a ton of buzz in Arizona with a recent hot streak. How real is this?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with a hot streak. Uh, He's hitting the crap out of the ball and hitting a ton of fly balls. So that means uh, the batting average is going to come crashing, crashing down. Uh, he also doesn't walk at all and strikes out a near 30% clip. So um, he's just a ride him out while he can, um, but like four 0 for fours in a row and he's out.
0: Yeah, the bat ball profile is very extreme. It, it looks like Ryan Schimpf with 60 plus percent fly balls. It's uh, crazy. As you mentioned, Joey, I he's mean, striking out at 29% and he's not walking only 4% of the time. Now on his face, Murphy looks like a hitter that should be swinging and missing a ton, but he's not. His swing strike rate sits at just 9%. His chase rate is only at 28%, which is not egregious. And the contact percentage is pretty healthy at 77.9%. I think he could be working counts and then getting out on called strikes and thus not seeing increase in the walk rate. These are the sort of anomalies that can happen over a small sample and he doesn't have a large plate appearance sample yet this year. Um, I I think the K rate's going to regress for him, and it's going to get a little better. Um, We do know Murphy's hitting the ball very hard, 50-plus percent hard contact with a huge fly ball rate. The X stats support the homer numbers to this point. I think the power is for real. I I actually think he's a nice player to grab, and as you mentioned, Joe, try and ride the streak. Um, But I wouldn't be completely floored if it turns into more. Um, just based upon the quality of the contact and the fact that he's a player that I don't think the K problem is as severe as the current percentage uh, makes it out to be. Okay. Cody Bellinger. Cody still is not broken from an early season malaise, and there was even talk that the Dodgers might send him down. Is he a buy low target or are you staying away? And redraft, do you prefer Cody Ballinger or Eric Hosmer?
1: Oh, this is just ridiculous. But, um, Pat, you you start this one off. He's our boy, but you start it off.
0: Yeah, I was kind of stunned that they they were talking about bringing him, about sending him down. I mean, I know that he didn't end last year in the greatest fashion. And I know that he's been, I don't even want to say he's been terrible because he's kind of just been mediocre. You know, nothing really looks all that out of whack for him. Um, The K's are down. The BABIP is down. The homers are down. Um, The contact is down year over year. So maybe you are expecting the K percentage to get worse. But that hasn't been an issue so far. Um, The batted ball has undergone a little bit of a shift with about 5% more towards grounders. But he's not so far removed from where he's been that I, I think it's an explanation for what's going on. He looks to me like a player that's just slumping. Um, the infield fly ball rate's up to 16.9%. That's obviously hurting the average. It was just 8% last year. Um, so the combination of less flies and the decreased homer to fly ball rate is mm-hmm. causing the power numbers to suffer. Um, he was at 25.2% homers to fly ball last year. That's half of where he is now. You uh, probably clipped up a little higher because I know he homer tonight. Yeah. Um, But much like I said about Matt Olson last week, I think the power is going to come here. You're probably not getting the return on the investment. You know, Bellinger was near a second round pick. Um, But I I like him as a buy low and I like him more than Hosmer. Hosmer's counting stats are actually outpaced by Bellinger, despite Bellinger's bad starts. Hosmer's only going to win average and maybe stolen bases by the end of the year. And I wouldn't even count on that. So I'm in on Bellinger as a buy low.
1: So, uh, for me, it's, it's all about the off-speed stuff. Um, he's been exposed, and he was definitely exposed against the Astros in the World Series. Um, and I think other teams have caught on, and it's just going to take some adjustment for Bellinger to have uh, continued success. Now, with that said, right, uh, Pat, you and I own him in our Dynasty League, so we've been on Bellinger for a number of years now, and I think he's just too good of, of a hitter and too advanced of a hitter. To really slump this long, um, so as far as Bellinger versus Hosmer, um, uh, if if I'm on top of the league with Hosmer right now, I feel really really good trading Hosmer for Bellinger. Um, if I'm in the middle and I need a little extra something to get me in the playoffs, if if it's a head to head, then I think I'd I'd rather have Hosmer as I feel like he's very safe. Um, whereas Bellinger might just – this might just be a bit of a lost season. If I'm at the bottom of a league, I want Bellinger because if he does hit out of this, then he can explode and carry you back up while Hosmer has no shot at carrying you back into the playoffs.
0: Well, yeah, and I mean that's kind of – that's kind of what my point was with Olsen too, and I mean you see it. You saw it with Olsen this past week. He popped four bombs in a week. And suddenly he's back to, you know, what is top 150 player after hovering right around 350 for most of the season. Um, you know, these power hitters, power comes and goes in bunches. Uh, you know, the whole Dodger team hasn't looked um, great this year. They've kind of gotten off to a slow start generally as a team. You know, there's players that have picked it up here and there, but. Uh, I still think that, like you said, the talent is there. I'm a big believer in Bellinger. I have been for a while. So I I think that this is just a case where if I have him, I'm holding. If I don't have him, I'm more than willing to buy. Um, And I would definitely sell Hosmer for him because Cody's the type that can win you a league. I think Hosmer is the type that is on a lot of middling teams because he's just he doesn't stand out and he doesn't excel um, you know at anything in particular and that situation is not great um, you know and you can tell that by the fact that he's been probably you know he would be considered to be considerably better than uh, Bellinger through this point in the season, and yet the counting stats just aren't there.
1: That's actually crazy, too, considering now Bellinger, I mean, Bellinger hits 70, right? and he's been batting 6th and 5th. I mean, Roberts has moved Bellinger down and down in, the, in this lineup, so that's actually an impressive stat
0: for Bellinger. Well, speaking of impressive stats, nice let's move it to Scooter Jeanette. So, impressive stats. Are you ready for some real insanity? Yes. If you go back one full calendar year, Scooter Jeanette has 615 plate appearances, 34 home runs, 117 RBI, 94 runs, and a 312, 356, 546 triple slash. So At this point, if you weren't buying him, you have to. <laughs> but how far are you willing to go? Would you give up a top 50 asset for Scooter uh, what
1: What's that? Oh, I hear Nick screaming through the microphone.
0: <laughs> I told you guys. I told I you. I told you. you back in
1: 2009. <laughs> I told you. He was a brewer and he
0: stunk, but I told you. <laughs>
1: Um, top 50 asset. Let me give you some, some names. Um, so Scooter or Albies in a redraft.
0: Oh, Scooter or Albies. Oh, it depends on what my speed situation is to be honest with you. Okay. I know that's kind of a cop out. If, if it's a vacuum, I think I want Jeanette. Yeah. I know I want it. That's going to be an unpopular answer. No, because no. Everybody I'm loves Albies, but.
1: I mean, Albies right now is going through the, okay, we've got some tape on you. Now make some adjustments, kid. Face.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, what about in a keeper league? Definitely Albies, right?
0: Definitely Albies.
1: Okay. What about uh, Jeanette or Gert Cole? That's kind of a team comp thing, but vacuum.
0: Give me Cole because the ace is so valuable.
1: Okay. And is Scooter and Cody Bellinger too much for Charlie Blackman?
0: Scooter and Cody Bellinger, too much for Blackman. No, no, that's about right.
1: Okay, yeah, I think that's a good—that's uh, a good deal too. So, so he's like—I mean, he's cemented himself in pretty good territory, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, y- you can't—you can't deny what he's done over the course of the last year. I, you know, and I look back and. You know, I look back a couple of years and it just looks just like Daniel Murphy to me. Um, you know, Scooter had a very similar profile. <laughs> he's made the changes. He's maintained the results. And other than some BABIP rec- regression, he's, uh, he's hitting with the 399 BABIP currently. But last year he was 339 in first career. He's 334. I don't think the results are going anywhere. And from a run production perspective, the Reds aren't a great team. But that's really mostly a pitching issue. The middle of that lineup is really good. Um, So why can't Scooter Jeanette be Murphy or Anthony Rendon if you're looking at third base? The high average with the pop, um, I think the market might even still undervalue Jeanette. I mean, I'm as big of a Brian Dozier fan as there is. But if someone wants to sell high on Scooter for Brian Dozier, I'm totally in.
1: Ooh, I don't know. Those like ten to fifteen stolen bases are nice.
0: Yeah, but I'm also getting like sixty points and somewhere between forty five and sixty points of batting average.
1: You think it'll be that high?
0: I don't think it'll be that high. I think Jeanette's gonna hit right around three hundred and Dozier's gonna be
1: yeah, the thing somewhere is somewhere between we'll, two
0: sixty and two forty.
1: The thing is though, is that if Scooter hits three hundred, that means he's gonna hit like two fifty the rest of the way.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking like three hundred from today mm-hmm. forward. Yeah,
1: I know, but if you're making that trade, you're getting Jeanette now.
0: I know. Yeah, That's so he's my like. Point,
1: so yeah, but he's like two, Oh, you think he's gonna be three hundred the rest of the way?
0: Sorry. Yeah, I'm I looking totally at ignored what you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at him as a true talent, 300 hitter, and I'm looking at Dozier as a true talent, 255, 260 hitter. Okay, I
1: think I'd rather have the the Steals, but it's it's close, it's close, it's fair. Yeah,
0: and once again, probably a team comp thing, but yeah, I definitely think Jeanette is in that class at this point.
1: That I agree with you.
0: Okay, let's move to his teammate Eugenio Suarez. Uh, he's off to a roaring start despite a thumb injury that kept him out for a few weeks. Has Flores taken a step out of the middle of the pack into borderline elite territory, or is this just a hot streak? Start us off with this one. This is your boy. Yeah. I mean, I spoke about him in my player spotlight a few weeks back. I think he's taken a step forward. The hard contact is way up. um, and, And it's tied to him being more aggressive in the zone. The zone swing percentage is up. His own contact percentage is up. Suarez has been around for a while, but he's only 26. Uh, and I think he was a player that was underrated on draft day. Uh, I'm fully expecting a 270 plus average rest of the way, with uh, about a 30 homer pace and a new career high in RBIs from drive, driving uh, Joey Votto in all the time. Plus, there's a non-zero chance that he ends up with shortstop eligibility, given that Senzel is in the minors and Jeanette is crushing. Um he might be the player that's best suited to play shortstop among those three.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you. Um, like you mentioned, cutting the ground balls um, and he's pulling more of those fly balls by a large margin has just led to a stark increase in hard hit balls. Um I'm I'm in. He's definitely s- stepped away from that middle of the pack that we were talking about uh for, for drafts um uh in the off season.
0: All right, quick question. Yeah. Putting you on the spot here. Yep. Eugenio Suarez or Eugenio Suarez or Anthony Rendon?
1: Give me the hot bat. Suarez.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Then that tells you how high he's climbed. Because I'm not particularly down on Anthony Rendon. Yeah. All right. Jaro Munoz. Red Hot, since Paul DeYoung hit the DL, is Munoz worth the ad in deeper leagues? Is there a chance this is more real than not?
1: So is Munoz the guy that we we were watching, I don't know, maybe like the very beginning of April, we, yes. the, the three of us were watching a game and we were bugging out as Munoz was up at bat.
0: <laughs> it was him against J.J. Hoover and we were just <laughs> sitting there waiting for J.J. Hoover to blow it because that's just what J.J. Hoover does.
1: Well, Munoz uh, walked off the other day, so... <laughs> um, I, I do think there's a very very small chance that this is real, though. Um, he, he's going to have good BAPIP luck hitting the ball on the ground as, as much as six percent of the time and he's fairly speedy but that also limits any power upside and even with a 417 BAPIP he's only hitting 298 I mean only 298 but only 298 um thanks in part to a 30.6 percent strikeout rate so um yeah it'd have to be really deep the average is nice
0: Yeah, I mean, in deeper leagues where the waiver wire is dried up, why not ride the streak? He's getting the playing time. Even in today's climate, the middle infield situation for some teams is going to be somewhat dried up. You plug him in and you ride him until he cools off. But, you know, know, he's got the ground ball heavy profile, so the hard contact is mostly going to waste. Without the fly balls, he's not going to hit for a hefty power total. The speed score is okay, but not special. So he's in the range of guys that could steal 20 if they got the green light, but there are also guys in that range that don't run at all. Um, The Babbitt's going to regress. He's over 400. So, you know, I I just, I I think there's going to be some contact percentage gains. So that Babbitt regression will be offset somewhat. Regardless, he's a streaky piece. I don't think he's a keeper, though. I don't think he's a guy that you're going to hold on to for the long term. Um, You know, even with uh, a good chunk of playing time coming his way, I think that you plug him in and he goes over four, three straight games. I think I move on. I agree. Okay. No more Mazzara. In the midst of a breakout season, are you willing to spend up and buy high on Mazzara or is is regression around the corner?
1: So I didn't get trades. So uh, while you're talking, um, I'm going to look up some trades. But here's my spiel about Mazzara. So we always knew the power was there, um, but he struggled so much against lefties in his first two seasons. And he didn't hit righties just well enough to really give any plus value. I mean, 20 home runs each of the past two, two years. So this year, he's finally managing to handle lefties batting 265 with six home runs. Um, so he doesn't really have to do much better than that to get close to 30 home runs and finally reaching the power potential that we thought, um, with that said, it's not all good as he's hitting ground balls 55% of the time and his homer to fly ball rate is incredibly too high, even with someone with his power pedigree of 35% that it just reminds me of Trevor's story of last year. So in summary, I think there's some regression headed his way. But I do think he's becoming a smarter hitter and he's learning to handle lefties and the Rangers have pretty much let him figure it out over the past two plus years. Um, So I I don't know if I want to buy high and that's why I'm going to look at some of these trades because I want to see what the price is on Mazzara. But um, I think he's a good bet to be, if he doesn't hit 30 um, closer to the 25 to 30 range, Um, And I don't think he'll kill you in batting average. But there's going to be some regression.
0: Yeah, there's absolutely got to be regression for him. His homer to fly ball rate, as you hinted at, is nearly double his career average and is among the highest in baseball. Um, I believe he's only trailing J.D. Martinez. Um, That's propping up the power because the fly ball percentage is just uh, floating around the low 20s. His hard contact rate is a good 35%, but that's not impressive. Now, you know, Mazzara is so young that it's possible he's adding the power and the homer to fly ball percentage is starting to creep up. Uh, The hard contact on fly ball suggests that it would, but I can't imagine he's going to keep up a near league leading pace. If Mazzara can shift about a ball mix to the air more, and keep some of that home of the fly ball percentage increase, he could be really special. But the the totality of the information makes me think that he's just hot and we've seen his best stretch this year. Instead of buying high, I think I would be selling high and redraft.
1: Yeah, right. So he, here's some trades. Um, Trevor Story straight up for Mizara. I would not do that. I wouldn't No, I think Story. I'd rather have Story. Yeah. Jay hat for Mizara. I mean, depending on uh, need maybe, but I in a vacuum I'd rather have. Hap.
0: Um, put me down for Mazzara on that one.
1: Okay, and then uh, Freddie Freeman for Mazzara and Cole Hamels. That's a no
0: for me. That's an absolute no. So
1: yeah, so like I- I'm kind of with you, right? With these prices, buying high is I'm not interested. But I do think I do like the player, and again, right? Since he's started off so well, I think he'll kind of like. Even, even if he's a poor hitter the rest of the way for his sake, I think he'll still hit close to 25 home runs.
0: Yeah. Okay. So from a younger player to a crafty veteran, Matt Kemp, having a renaissance season for the Dodgers, what do you think about Kemp's potential going forward? Do the days off that they're giving him hurt him because of the accumulation or help him because of his health? more mm-hmm.
1: well right now he's not even getting days off he's like in the lineup all the time because he's so mm-hmm. hot um he's pretty much on his way to 25 home runs i feel really good about that given that um he's got his highest exit velo average lunch angle and barrel percentage in the stack era. so that's since 2015 um a 344 batting average isn't gonna stick as it's fueled by an elite 402 bat um he's also down in uh zone contact percentage at the second lowest of his career at 78.2 percent um, it's still that's still not bad, but he's gonna get a bit cold at some point. Um, he's definitely worth hanging on to because he's still so hot, and he's returning tremendous value after being virtually free this offseason. Um, and I think he'll be uh, probably twelve team twelve team mix worthy um, the rest of the season. I just he's gonna get cold.
0: Yeah, Kemp was a, you know, best shape of his life type guy in the spring mm-hmm. and was generating some buzz for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I was on board with him as a potential late grab in deeper leagues because just with the way the Dodgers situation was shaping out, it seemed like he could find his way into playing time, and he has. Um, mm-hmm. He's been their best hitter. He leads the NL in hitting. Mm-hmm. He's hit for power. Um he's pacing out for close to 30 home runs in that area a year after the batted ball profile went South. He's got a 26% line drive rate and he's lifting the ball plenty to keep the power pace. I think he's got 275, 30 homer pace potential from here on out. And, you know, I mean, I know you said that like he's playing every day and yeah, he's playing every day right now, but it's the first significant stretch where they're really giving him those every day at bats. And, As you suspect, he will cool off for a certain stretch. And then I think he'll go back to playing two out of every three days, you know, four out of every six sort of deal um, in an effort to keep him healthy. And, you know, that's sort of what the Brewers have tried to do with Ryan Braun. It's had some mixed results, but in theory, you know, give me a healthy Matt Kemp for 120, 130 games Um, And I'll deal with the lack of volume. And I I think that that's advantageous, especially um, in daily lineup leagues. But even in weekly leagues, I think I'd rather, you know, take the zero on a day um, and get a lot more production from Kemp than try and force him to play every day and get hurt and suffer a nagging injury and then, you know, go over the week. Um, So that's where I stand on Kemp. And I agree with you. I think he's going to be 12 team mixed relevant throughout the year. Again, there will be stretches where he'll be ice cold, but this is a guy that you've either drafted very, very late or added. Uh, So it's very simple to put him onto the bench and then wait for him to heat up again. Um, And he's not a guy that, you know, has random three or four hit games. He's a guy that, gets scorching hot. So the second he gets puts together a couple of multi-hit games, you get him in there and you ride it until he cools off again. Okay. Reese Hoskins, the FWO crew admitted their mistake on Hoskins and he hasn't been the same since (laughs) he literally has not homered. So what gives when he returns from the broken jaw? Do you think he bounces back?
1: I think we should take back our claim mistake cuz I think this is what we were alluding to obviously not the injury but the fact that we weren't really buying um uh, you know the projections of like 38 Joe don't runs. do it don't do it don't do it. <laughs> start beef
0: <laughs> No just I don't want to be wrong a third time
1: <laughs> I know but don't you think like we were already right <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, now we look like we're right because we changed our minds. <laughs> and Now you're going to change your mind again. Yeah, <laughs> we are
1: flip-floppers. Yeah,
0: flip-flopping.
1: Uh, no, for real, though, I think Hos- Hoskins is a safe bet to bounce back. Um, as through uh, a little over 400 plate appearances in his career, he's shown uh, an extreme advanced ability to recognize pitches. Um, he should probably get close to twenty-five to thirty home runs, um, which is a bounce back of sorts. It's probably not what owners had to pay up for, um, but I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be as bad as he, as he was after we claimed
0: our mistake. <laughs> yeah, this is the issue with taking wins and losses early in the season. Um, you know, we said he was being overdrafted. He came out fire with you know, a similar approach and power pace. And we said, well, we're wrong. And now he hasn't hit since <laughs> the hard contact is way down. The fly ball profile has eaten away at the batting average. The contact percentage is down both inside and outside the zone leading to the rise in K percentage. Um, you know, similar to Matt Olson, I think he'll bounce back with a hot power streak. The 10% home of the fly ball rate is about half of what it was in the minors. And three times lower than it was last year in the majors. I am a little more concerned about Hoskins as compared to Olsen because the contact authority is not as good. Um, Olsen is making hard contact at 50 plus percent of the time. Hoskins is making hard contact at 35 plus percent of the time. I still think I prefer Hoskins to Olsen because of the approach, but Hoskins very clearly has some stuff that he needs to work out with his swing. Um and and I suspect that perhaps the time off might be a big blessing in disguise for him because it gives him a chance to get out of the lineup, clear his head and then come back um you know and get his swing and his his approach together again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he, he, here's here's my analysis, right, on that comparison. I think Olsen – this is going to sound ridiculous, but I think Olsen could still probably get to, like, 39 home runs, whereas I don't think there's any shot that Hoskins it this year.
0: Yeah. Well, can I just ask, why did you go to 39 and not 40?
1: Because I didn't want to give him 40.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. I think Matt Olsen can hit 40. <laughs>
1: I yeah, believe. I, I mean, I, I just, I just think that that swing, um, while it is going to be more prone to cold streaks, is also really going to be prone to just ridiculous bouts of power. Oh, whereas, yeah. Ho- whereas Hoskins is probably, like for his career, is probably going to be the better hitter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you won't give that to me. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I kind of. I mean, I I said this, I forget whether it was last week or the week before when I talked about Olsen. I think it was last week. But I think Olsen's swing is a little more batting average friendly than people give it credit for. Um, I think that he's got enough line drives in the swing that the BABIP will float a lot closer to 300 than people will project him for. And if he's going to hit You know, uh, for a 300-ish Babbitt, he could be like a 265-type hitter. And that's right around what I expect Hoskins to be. Um, Yeah. You know, I think Hoskins has a little more upside in the batting average, but I think they're sort of in the same class, um, you know, in terms of range of outcomes. You know, maybe Hoskins can tick to like a 275, 280-type season. um, But he's he's really got a, like a fly ball swing. So I don't know that he's going to have the line drives that Olsen is going to have.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I just think I, I, you know, the approach is just so sound that I think that there'll be just a year where he puts it all together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can get on board with that. All right. Nelson Cruz outfielder or DH, depending on your format. Cruz has been in and out of the lineup for the first time in years and been inconsistent. Do you think he will get going as the days heat up?
1: Body of the swings are down a bit as he's chasing and whiffing a bit more. Um, That's bound to happen with age, Uh, but he's still got a 220 ISO, which is nice to see with 10 home runs and a 249 average, which doesn't kill you Um, with all the injuries here and there this season. It's no surprise that he's just a bit off. And this might be foreshadowing for things to come, but for 2018, I'm still in. Um, And I was really, really high on him coming into the year as he showed no signs of injuries in the past. Um, The injuries, again, they're a concern a little bit because he's dinged up, but he's still kind of – he's done his thing, so I'm in.
0: Yeah, he's already starting to heat up. but you might still be able to buy low based upon a profile that's lacking in counting production and batting average. I'm not 100% sure you should, you should though. I think we're starting to see shades of Jose Bautista here um, on its face. There's not much that's alarming. The K rates lower actually. Yeah. Which and so is, crazy. is the walk rate The batted ball profile and the contact authority are comparable mm-hmm. to those of the last few years. Digging deeper, though, Cruz is struggling against fastballs for the first time. He's being more aggressive. He's swinging more outside the zone, and I suspect that might be because his bat's slowing down and he's starting to cheat. I don't think it's going to go so far that he'll be bad, but there's enough here that if someone was willing to give me 90 cents on the dollar for Cruz, I would take it. Yeah. Okay, Blake Snell the breakout that we foresaw has seemingly come to pass, but let's leak. Let's recalibrate. Where does Snell currently rank among starting pitchers? Top 35, top 30, top 25.
1: Okay. I want to ask you because you stopped at top 25. Where do you have him?
0: You know, mm-hmm. I'm glad you asked that because I actually re-ranked my starting pitchers um, two days ago. And I have him right around number 20. I don't know whether he's right at 20 or just inside, but yeah, he is under all of those numbers.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. Cause I was a little worried at first, but yeah, he's like probably between 15 and 18. And he, I mean, really dude, he could be within that. Um, he, he's been excellent for, and he's been exactly what we thought he would be from the second half of last year to today Snell has just over 150 innings pitched of just over 2.9 ERA baseball. That's ACE level stuff. I mean, yep. that is what you'd, what you'd be drafting in top 15. So uh, yeah. You asked before if, if, if Sne- uh, Snell instead of Corbin and yeah, I mean, I, I'm really on board Snell.
0: Yeah. I mean, the K rates up, the walks are down Eye test the stuff looks great. And the best part is he's been able to command it. He's not losing his mechanics. He's not struggling with this field of the zone. When he leaves the zone, he wants to leave the zone. Um, you know, he's, he's just been fantastic. And, you know, this is what you got to remember with pitchers. is Sometimes it takes a little bit. And this is, this was as simple as the guy standing on a different yeah, place on the rubber, which is kind of amazing. Um, you know, and, and the best part is, is there's not really much that you have to worry about. The homers are where they've been, yep. so there's no real regression coming there. Uh, the luck regression on the Babbitt, we're looking at it. Even with that, we're looking at a pitcher that's going to be somewhere between a 3.25 and 3.5 ERA, um, considering the other skills. So he's still going to be a fantastic asset. Um, going forward, and you know, I I think that if you can get him at like a top thirty price, like let's say you can, let's say that you're the David Price owner and you have a believer um, in your league, and you can get Snell for Price, I would do that. Are you on board with that, Joe, or is that
1: Snell for Price? Would yeah. I trade Price for Snell? Yeah. Yeah. I mean- okay. Uh, All right. What about let's let's bring let's bring in some trades. So okay. Snell and Upton for Betts.
0: I want Betts because Betts is one of the best players in baseball.
1: OK. Snell for Rizzo and Bueller. Walker Bueller.
0: Snell for Rizzo and Bueller. Yeah. yeah I want Rizzo and Bueller. I want the bat.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Um Yeah, those are the only those are the only ones that are close, all the rest of
0: wow. Snell is That's a high price. That's what that's what that tells you. The market is not valuing Blake Snell as a top 30 starting pitcher. The the market is valuing him as an ace. An ace. Yeah.
1: And rightfully so.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's good. But it's um, bad. <laughs> it's good, but it's bad. <laughs> the market is getting smarter. Yes. Okay, Sean Manaya. Uh, tale of two seasons at this point. Manaya has cooled considerably after a hot start. Do you think he's more April or May? Or th- is this full season value reflective of his actual value?
1: Uh, I'm going to take the latter. I think he's probably settled right where he is. Um, in April, uh, he stranded 98% of his of his runners and that's pretty damn difficult to do when you're a pitch to contact guy as much as Minaya is um so the regression monster was like bound to come his way is he 7 ERA bad that he's been in May of course not but that's just how baseball works sometimes um I think he's probably got another rough start or two in there to poke his ERA closer to four but uh I think just around a 7k per nine and somewhere like Two and a half, walks for nine, smidge under four is what Mania likely is the rest of the
0: season. Yeah, I agree. I think he is what he is right now. Um, I still think that there is a little more upside uh, beyond a high three ERA. The swing strike rate is over 10%, and that indicates the K rate should be a good bit better. With respect to the recent slump, I think he's struggling for feel for a slider. And that's causing him to throw his change up more, which has been bad. Um, and we saw this from him before. I mean, last August, he, he really lost it. The excuse then was that he had switched medication, which caused him to lose a bunch of weight. I mean, I, I'm beginning to think that maybe we're, we're to the point where we've overrated Minaya in terms of, you know, his overall upside. When he came up, there was thinking that he could be like a number two starter. Um I think he might be more of a three, four. Um, he's lefty with middling velocity that struggles with his mechanics. Um, you know, and even with swinging strike rate, you know, he hasn't produced the big K numbers. So I think it's sort of time to reevaluate where he is um, on a starting spec, starting pitching spectrum in terms of upside. But it doesn't mean that he's not a valuable asset. It just simply means that he's more of a, fantasy four or five starter than, you know, a a pitcher that's going to reach the echelon of, you know, where Blake Snell is right now. You disagree? No. Oh, okay. All right. Eduardo Rodriguez. Always intriguing. Rodriguez has gone on a very solid run in May. The overall numbers still are a bit underwhelming. Are you interested on in buying?
1: Uh, I was interested in buying in our home league, um, but the owner would not budge. Um, he's a guy we really liked coming into the season. Um, I yep. vividly remember discussing him um, on our deep pitching pod, um, and we, you and I were definitely on board. I, I can't recall if Nick was, but I know you and I were definitely on board, despite him starting on the DL with banked-up knees, if my memory serves me right. Um, he's made some real gains: increased strikeouts, decreased walks, decreased walks, and he's become a league-average home run guy. Like that's that's what he is. Um, so even with the 388 ERA, he's better than league average right now. So he's not really hurting you anywhere. Um, and my question is: Would you rather have Erod or Cole Hamels, who, despite having lost Velo, is using his cutter to uh, churn out his best season since twenty fifteen?
0: I'd rather have Erod and, you know, steady improvement has been the name of the game with Rodriguez. He showed some growth last year and he's shown further signs this year. He's got plus velocity from the left side and he's also begun throwing the fastball less. Um, He's at 51% on the season, 48% in May. Um, And that's, that's really keyed his recent run because the breaking stuff, um, and the change have played up as a result. Um, I'm interested in buying. I think his numbers will still include a bit of, um, I, I still think that the, the numbers include a little bit of early season injury rust. Uh, you know, he got off to a little bit of a slow start. So the overall line probably is not reflective of how well he has pitched um, and how good of a pitcher he is currently. Um, you know, I, I see him as a pitcher that's ready to become a bona fide fantasy number three or four. Um, who is still being viewed as a rung or two below that.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think people are still still scared because he pitches in the AL East. They have a they have like this sense of, of Erod and he and he's like always kind of been just so so throughout his career so far. I mean never really plus plus despite the underlying numbers. Um so I'm I'm kinda on board with you. I think that um he, he's a good guy to target, and, um, and we just really like him.
0: Okay, another guy we really like, John Gray. Um, he's a popular bounce-back candidate. Are you on that bandwagon, and how much are you willing to give up to buy in?
1: I'm interested to hear what you think first. So Tell me.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm interested in Gray, but I think expecting him to bounce back to expectations or his peripherals is a mistake. Like many others, I was probably too optimistic on Gray failing to account for the course factor and how it affects pitchers, not only at home, but also on the road. Gray is certainly capable of an excellent K rate, which he already has, and preventing too much damage via the walks, as he is currently doing. The BABIP will shrink from 376, but Gray is a career 337 BABIP guy, so it's not going to shift dramatically in the other direction. Especially when Gray is giving up sound contact, I could sacrifice a pitcher like Junior Guerra or a Marco Gonzalez. um, Hot starters that that where I expect some uh, regression to come, but I don't know that I trade an asset a step below them for Gray. Um, I just I'm skeptical that he's going to be able to put together. you know, a a great run of, you know, what will have to be 120 to 130 innings. Do I think he's got a run of 50 or 60 excellent innings in him? Yes, but it's a matter of those other 50 or 60 innings and what's going to happen in them. Um, And I'm skeptical that he's going to, you know, be a guy that's going to put together, you know, a complete bounce back to where we expected him to be. Um, even over the course of his 120 remaining innings or so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, and I have the l- quite literally the same exact analysis that he's just been bapped to death. He's been bap it to death his whole career, and it's just looking like he is going to fall victim as an another Coors Field product. Um, so uh, let me give you a name or a couple of names, right? You had mentioned um, some that you. Would likely trade for Gray. What about uh, Jameson Tyon straight?
0: No, but as you know, I'm a huge believer in Tyon's new pitch. I
1: know, I know. Um, let me give you some other deals. Would you trade Gray and Syndergaard? This is kind of a roster construction thing, but Gray and Syndergaard for Goldschmidt and Springer. So kind of like a two, two, two buy lows and... Two solid guys.
0: Yeah, I want Goldschmidt and Springer in a vacuum.
1: I agree with you. What about Gray for Julio Teron and Walker Buehler? I think that's where I'd probably take it. I'd probably rather have Gray.
0: Mm. I don't know. That's a good one. Um, Because I do believe in Walker Buehler.
1: I agree, but the innings are going to be limited at some point.
0: Yeah. But again, all right. So, like, let's say Bueller, let's say Bueller's remaining innings cancel out with the good gray, right? Mm-hmm. Then I don't really need much to replace. I don't know. I think I go Bueller and, and Teron. Because I think I can find someone to bridge the gap. Between Walker Bueller's remaining innings and John Gray, I basically viewed Tehran as like a non-entity in that trade. So
1: yeah, okay. So you you'd rather have Bueller over Gray, straight? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I agree with you. I think Tehran is he probably hurts your team more than he helps. So um, I think I'd rather have Gray over Bueller. But I I get it. It's close, and there's absolutely no way in any any non-redraft league that I'd rather have Gray right now over Bueller.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely not. Totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move to our player spotlights. Who do you have up first, Joe? Cool.
1: So my first one is um super slumpy, slump face Odor. <laughs> Twelve team leagues. I don't really care much about the format. Is Odor ownable anymore? Um, with his lowest career Z contact rate, just a about career average chase rate. The three-year uh, running over 12% whiff rate. I mean, do we think that Odor has a hot streak in him and he makes that 30 home run pace, or is he dead in the water? It's
0: it's a fair question at this point, and, you know, it's kind of stunning because you have this guy, he came up, he was super young, he was productive, and he got better, And now he's just gone in the Mm -hmm. tank two years in a row. Um, If I can hold him on my bench, I would like to because, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen what he's capable of. But I think that this is a player that might need a a minor league stint, to be honest. Yep, I agree. You know, they need to outline what he needs to work on and he needs to actually work on it. Um, and, you know, because he was so young when he came up and he had so much success, there, there might be a a coachability issue and that's speculation, but he, he, he definitely needs to rework himself and remake himself a little bit. And I don't think it's a huge jump. I don't think it's, you know, I, I always prefer players that exhibit patience and could play discipline and, but it that that doesn't have to be the approach for everybody but he, his swing i think is a mess right now
1: yeah and, and that was the one thing i wanted to add here too is that he doesn't just fail the statistics test but he absolutely fails the eye test i mean he's looked awful
0: yeah yeah okay my first player spotlight is shelby miller Miller has been strong on the rehab trail with nine and two thirds innings of one run ball with 14 K's and four walks across two starts at a and AA, respectively. When we lost, when we last saw Shelby, he found more velocity. He was up to 95. Now that that's presuming that he has the velocity. There haven't been any reports regarding the velocity in his minor league starts. Plus the Umi and an Arizona rotation in need of depth, especially because Zach Godley is apparently terrible. Oh my God. Miller could be a very good stash for pitching starved owners. In addition to the humidor covering for Miller's command shortfalls on the home run side, Miller also has a superb Arizona defense behind him. So the balls and plays, play issues from the past might be less impactful. Mm-hmm. What do you uh,
1: think? Oh, that's all you got. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you were done.
0: Um, that's yeah. all you got.
1: <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. Damn. But um, yeah, the, the the one the one thing that I, I'm kind of worried about Shelby Miller is just when he gets back, if um if he's got a feel for his pitches, and he's not walking the world. He's never been uh, an excellent control and command guy, um or control guy, um. Uh, I, I Let me see what his walks per nine for his career are. 3.36. That's not awful. It's not what you'd like to see. But coming off a major elbow injury, um, uh,
0: I'm a little
1: worried. But he did flash some good stuff last year. So um, he's definitely worth rolling the dice. And he's probably free right now. Actually, I can almost guarantee you he's free in redraft leagues. So, um, hey, he might strike lightning in a bottle.
0: Yeah. And we've seen him be excellent before. We've seen him be terrible before, but as you mentioned, it's, it's a really a zero cost acquisition at this point. I think there's almost no doubt that he's going to get a look, um, you know, aside from godly buckles and Matt cook, I think is yes, how you say it, correct. even though it's, it's spelled cook. Koch.
1: Yes, it's cook.
0: Um, those two are unlikely to keep up their current level of performance. So I think Miller is definitely going to get the chance. Plus, you know, you also have the pressure from the fact that Arizona traded uh, Dansby Swanson and Ender Ciarte for Shelby Miller. So I think as much as that should not have something to do with it, it does have something to do with it. Um, you know, Arizona wants to get the return on investment. Um, so let me, let me just shift for a second, Joe. What sure. are your thoughts on Godly?
1: Oh, uh, I, I mean, the VLO is down, no?
0: Yeah. The VLO is down. Um,
1: Isn't it really all, t- I, I mean, I think it's that's really I, all that's t- what
0: that was, That's what my theory is. I mean, full disclosure, I, I said this on Twitter earlier today, but um, I, I own Godly in a, deep 12 team mixed league. And I cut bait on him this morning. Um, and you know, I, I think that, let me do some, I think he needs the velocity to tie it all together. To be honest. Um, he's been floating around 89, 91 all year this year. And when he really was very successful last year, I think he was up around 94. Um, I don't know whether he's hiding an injury or, um, you know, last year's workload got to him or, or what the deal is. But, um, hmm. I mean, to me, like the whole package just looks like a mess. Like there's not even, um, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about Patrick Corman's velocity. There's been a lot hmm. of discussion about Alex Wood's velocity, but those guys have pitched and pitched well, despite the diminished velocity. Um,
1: yeah. And Godley never has.
0: And Godley is just, and but I mean, like, there's not even, there's not even a lot of good there. I mean, there's the the walk rate is up, the K rate is nothing is is okay, but it's not special. He's giving up a ton of hits. Um, you know, I I just don't know that he's that I hope that I have much hope for for a bounce back at this point, unless he just magically finds the velocity again, which it's just unlikely to happen. I mean, barring some sort of mechanical change or um, a DL stint where whatever injury he may be dealing with is addressed, right?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I'm looking now. Um, I mean, the release points aren't drastically different than last year, so I'm not sure if it's a huge mechanical thing. Um, I don't know. I don't I mean I don't really know. I'd have to do a little bit more digging. Um maybe we can revisit him next week.
0: Okay. All right, yeah. Sorry to spring that on you, but no, I just, no, it's okay, I know but... we're I know we're moving pretty well. So I just thought I would get your take, but No, that's okay. my take. Zach Godley is bad.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a dig, uh a deeper dig next week.
0: Okay. All right, who's your second guy?
1: Sure, it's um now relief pitcher Adam Conley so um with the move to the bullpen oh, yeah yes Con- conley has increased his velocity by 6 miles per hour holy shit
0: oh you didn't know
1: <laughs> so now he's pumping 95 after pumping 89 last year um armed with both a slider and a changeup so he can get both both uh lefties and righties out his caper 9 has jumped from 6.31 last year as a starter to 11.37 in a limited, very limited sample as a reliever. Lee has said he envisions Conley as being their Andrew Miller. So my question is, is there any chance this comes true? And if he starts to see more volume, is he going to be a must-own or is this just a blip on the radar?
0: Do you know if he kept the spin Ooh, with the velocity? I, I
1: uh, Because he was a
0: high-spin guy, right? Let me look it up. I seem to recall that he was a high-spin guy. Um, But in any event, yeah, you can obviously tell from my eagerness that I have picked up on this as well. And um, again, full disclosure, we were pretty high on Adam Conley the last couple of years um, as a potential starting pitcher. And I must say I'm not surprised that he's – excelled in a bullpen role. Um, He's a guy that didn't quite have the velocity to stick as a starter. Um, But now with that extra boost, everything plays up. Mm -hmm. I think there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be a very good reliever. Now, is he going to be a fantasy relevant reliever? You know, is he going to be Andrew Miller? Probably not. But I could definitely see him being a useful ratios guy and a guy that you need to keep your eye on, particularly in a Miami bullpen that's in flux. I mean, Kyle Bearclaw has just been named the, the new closer yeah, and after he's Brad in the Ziegler. World. Yeah, and he's a guy that tends to issue a lot of walks. He's had some bit luck. I don't think that he's as special as we thought he was a few years ago. And, you know, I mean who's to say Miami doesn't put him on the market after giving him a month and a half half worth of saves. So, I mean, Conley might be a guy that finds his way into a few saves before the year is out. And even if he doesn't, I mean, this is just a guy I think you need to keep an eye on because I think he could be special in the bullpen. Mm -hmm.
1: To answer your question, he's lost 3% of his spin which is not very much. It's like not 80, very much. 80 RPM.
0: Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's added velocity and the spin, the spin is still in decent shape. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that makes me think that, uh, you know, this is even more of a good thing.
1: Yeah. I, so I think the strategy here, right. Is like you said, just keep an eye on him. Um, especially as, as you know, we get into the dog days of summer when people start to stop kind of, you know, keeping track of these guys, especially a middle reliever. Um, he can really be the sort of, um, if, I mean, if he's really on, like if he can be Andrew Miller, that'd be awesome. And you can get out in front in owning him. Yeah. So I think that's a strat.
0: Okay. My second guy is Harrison Bader. Nice. Bader has managed to stick around this year and found himself a playing time despite an overcrowded St. Louis outfield. He's made the most of those opportunities with five homers, six steals across 112 plate appearances, and a 270, 348, 450 slash line. I don't see much to worry about, and the skills appear relatively sound. He's got a strong line drive rate, underscoring his babbit. The home run to fly ball rate is high but he's generally been a mid-teens to low 20% guy in the minors, and St. Louis has some difficult hitter sparks. The stack-ass data doesn't love him from a hitting perspective. The exit VLO is unremarkable. He's below average on barrels. But I'll take the track record here over the data. I would like to see Bader trade some of those grounders for flies, but if he's running and he's got eight attempts with six steals, I can live with the high teens' power pace, um, which I'm projecting based on skills, rather than 25, which would be closer to his full season pace. His sprint score is 29.8. Wow. That's the seventh in all of baseball, equivalent with Ronald Acuna. Bader to me fit the Austin Meadows type profile. A 15 homer, 25 steal threat with the 275 average. But I think there might be a little more power upside in the bat in future seasons. Um, I know he's owned in a minuscule percentage of leagues in deeper formats. I would certainly consider him an ad.
1: Yeah. I got to say the only thing is, is the playing time. Um, I know Dexter Fowler has no business being started, but he's on a five-year contract through 2021. So, um, and Ozuna's starting to hit the ball now. Um, and Fam's doing his thing. So, I, I just don't think he's he's going to get regular playing time. Um, so, I'm a little... that That's like my biggest concern. But yeah, I think for deeper leagues, when he's in, especially in daily formats, um, weekly formats, he takes a, a pretty significant hit. But in daily formats, um, yeah, he's He's like totally worth owning because when he's in, he's 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 been great.
0: Yeah, the playing time is a bit of an issue, certainly. Um, but like you said, Fowler has struggled. Ozuna started to heat up, but Ozuna has struggled, um, and none of those guys is is the picture of health. I mean, Fowler's been known to miss time. Fam has missed time in the past. Um, so, and I, I think Ozuna has missed time as well in, in his past. So, and, and, you know, it could just be similar to the pirate situation that they've kind of done with Meadows now where Meadows has forced their hand and forced their hand into playing him. Uh, I think something similar could be going on in St. Louis where they sort of roll a four man rotation in the outfield. Now, that's not going to be every day at bats, but it's going to be enough volume that a guy with, you know, that sort of power speed combo um, can be useful in deeper formats. I mean, your formats with five outfielders, for instance, um, or your 15 teamers or your 16 teamers. I-, I think that he could have value in a weekly format in that type of league.
1: Yeah. The only thing I will say is that um, I think the Cardinals are probably. They probably envision themselves as being more competitive than the Pirates. I'd probably also agree with their vision that I just think that the Cardinals will probably be closer to the playoffs than the Pirates will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a chance that you know someone gets moved, um, whether it be one of the outfielders. Probably not Famer Azuna, Probably even not Fowler, but given the contract. But you know maybe um, maybe Bader's a piece that gets moved. I mean it's definitely pure speculation, um, but you never know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, Joe, if you don't have anything else, I think that'll wrap it up for us tonight.
1: No. Um, it was smooth sailing without Nick. We survived.
0: We did it. We did it. We made it. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Joe, let them know where they can find you.
1: Uh, Joe FWO on Twitter. I do tweet occasionally.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Patrick FWO. I tweet slightly more often, <laughs> and uh, we'll look forward to uh, being back next week with you guys. Have a good week. We hope you win uh, your leagues for those of you playing in head-to-head, and uh, we hope you make some ground up in the standings for those of you that play in Roto. Thanks a bunch.
1: Yeah, and hit us up on uh, hit us up on Twitter. We do answer questions when we get them. Um, we're just not active super active tweeters but we do answer questions so hit us up and thanks for listening
0: your friends can only handle so much fear they have a breaking point when adrenaline takes over and they're not just
1: afraid they're petrified halloween haunt at king's dominion will push you to the limits of fear come select nights through
0: october 28th For night rides, demented creatures, and terror you've never felt before, fear is waiting for you. Save up to $30 on tickets at kingsdominion.com.